number 49. Is that the number of episodes that we've done? This is the 49th episode. Wow. Wow. You know what that means? You know what that means? It's the end of the world soon. Yeah. That next week is the 50th episode. We haven't even given any thought. This is like a completely brand new thought. We haven't put any thought into this. Yeah. What are are we going to do for the 50th? Celebration, fireworks. um, Yeah. Okay. You know, something. Well, we'll, we'll, after the show, we'll talk. We don't need to bore our listeners. Well, maybe we can get some, you know, people might have some requests or ideas for us if they want to type in uh, all these people that are watching us live you can't type it in if you if you're listening to the podcast we understand that yeah we know how this works 50 first dates we could do and then you would jump off a building i think uh no because actually uh it's got adam sandler in it oh okay doesn't it mm-hmm. and i'm i'm a, i i'm a i'm a supporter of adam sandler okay me too i like adam sandler I, I, yeah, I, I'm not ironic. I think he's uh, more than like him. I think he represents one of the best things going in Hollywood and has for a long time. Very talented young man. Including his uh, his movies on Netflix. Hubie Halloween was quite literally one of the best things that happened to me during the lockdown. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oregon Sunshine is here. I'm not sure who that is. Hey, Oregon well, Sunshine. Hello to you. Hello back. Now, I did hear... Uh, in in some chat before the show started, our friend Stephen Jules Rubin uh, told me that Shannon Zelazny may be watching the show tonight. And Shannon Zelazny is the daughter of Roger Zelazny, who wrote the short story from which tonight's movie. Oh wow! Not the short story, a novella. There's, a, I thought, it, yeah, it was a novel or a novella. It was a novella, and then it was expanded into a novel. Cool. And and, uh, and became uh, became this movie. Oh wow! I would um, I would be fascinated to know what uh, what uh, their thoughts are on on this film version. Well, uh, we will uh, hopefully we'll get to that. Uh, we uh, let's do our little our little pre-show though. Okay, let's do a pre-show. How you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. You know, busy as usual, trying to keep busy. You know, it was a sad day for some of us. Uh, you know, Dusty Dusty Rhodes from ZZ Top passed away today. Oh, which was a sad time for me, being a ZZ Top fan. Yep. Uh, so that was that was sad. Other than that, I'm doing fine. Okay, that's too bad. Um. I'm getting ready for a trip to Chicago day after tomorrow. Oh, you're you're. This is actually happening now. My God, we're we're going to uh, Chicago with our to talk to people about our booze. Um, how long are you gone? Just uh, leaving Friday, coming back Monday. Stephen wants to know if you've been traveling through time and space with your glasses. Uh, Stephen Jules, Damnation Alley is a is a very dangerous and brightly lit 70s place and i like to try to uh conform to the genre if i can if it's in the wardrobe thanks for noticing i i am traveling in time space right now and um have you um you been watching anything this week other than this movie i have seen some great stuff this week uh i saw um a movie that I love that it was really hard to find uh, for a long time called from beyond. It's a horror movie uh, from the eighties based on an HP Lovecraft story. Um, and I, I think it's like one of the best HP Lovecraft movies out there. Um, Stored Gordon film. The guy who did reanimator did it. Um, Jeffrey Combs, I believe his name is the, the, kind of the mad scientist in this again, a different kind of mad scientist. Anyway, From Beyond is great. And I finally tracked it down on a streaming service and was delighted. Oh, fantastic. It it held up. Um, And uh, what else? Old stuff. You know, Spider Baby got me on a kick. So I watched a movie called Kathy's Curse, which I highly recommend to people if they haven't seen it. 
okay. Canadian um, poltergeist haunted little girl movie, which I loved. Yeah. All right. Um, and a movie called the uh, the initiation. Uh, starring. Um, I'm Daphne, already scared. That's Daphne, all that- you should be Daphne Zuniga. Oh, well, okay. And now I'm going to watch it because. Clue uh, Gulliger, uh, 80s sorority slasher movie uh, par excellence. Just long, great. long time crush on, on Daphne Zuniga. Well, she's great. She's really, yeah. she's really good in it. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I watched a lot of uh, Spider Baby inspired stuff. How about you? Uh, I've been watching this show, network show, uh, as as I do sometimes. I'll get on a, a kick of some network shows. Uh, Big Sky, serial killer type show taking place in uh, Montana, big Big Sky country. But uh, what's what's fun about it is John Carroll Lynch is in it. And I'm, uh, oh, you mentioned this on the show last week. I, I meant, oh, darn it. See, okay. Well, yeah. then re- we're rewinding. I was thinking, why do I know this? And I was like, and oh, I because haven't, I, I, I haven't listened, been watching anything. I listened I to this podcast watching. called The Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies, and this guy told me about the show on the podcast. Oh, okay. Cool. Interesting. All right. You're, you're still watching that. I'm still watching it. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of episodes. So, well, you're uh, going, you're getting ready to go to on a business trip. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't you can't be bothered with television shows. Oh, all right. Okay. So, um do you know uh did you ever see a play uh called The Play That Goes Wrong? Uh, that Noise is Off? It it's similar to Noise is Off. Um it but it takes place instead of backstage it, it's actually the show. You're watching the the show and everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong continuously and it, it's i haven't seen the play um i i've seen uh, a 10 minute clip of it from a benefit they did for the royal society of benefits or something over in in across the pond uh-huh. um, but uh i thought of that play frequently while i was watching this movie <laughs> i thought of noises off that's funny because, because something went wrong <laughs> And, you know, I want to, because I'm cognizant of the fact that um, that uh, the daughter of the author of the book upon which this is based may be watching, uh, I haven't read the novella. I have read at this point now a lot about the novella, and I want to go read the novella now, because my sense is that whatever is wrong with this movie has to do with things that happened after the novella was written, not the novella. That would be my guess as well. <laughs> that would be my guess. Um, I can't imagine the, you know, uh, you know, I mean, we can't just say the writer. Like, can we find out what this, per- I don't know if the writer is a man, you said. Based on. The writer of the novella is a man, Roger Zelensky. From the novel. Okay, okay. There we go. So I, I okay, so Roger Zelazny, even if he was happy with the production, which I'm sure he had a few problems with it. My understanding is that he was not. I, I can't imagine that he was happy with, with the fact that it came out in 1977 right after Star Wars. Okay. Yeah, we gotta talk about the so, two other movies that came out that year. <laughs> two other science fiction movies came out that year. Right. Well, I know one was Star Wars, and the other was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There's a little bit of a competition there to to this, and uh, the quality level. There was a jump in quality level that they weren't expecting. I guess. Yeah. It was like they got the guy who couldn't get the job for the original Doctor Doolittle movie to do this. Um, Stephen Jules Rubin says she says something went wrong. She says you are. Correct. Correct about the problems coming after the productions. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah. This was like watching a, a jump. The, the fact that these movies came out in the same year, it's like them and Star Wars. You know, it's actually the, them, them is a great movie, better. though. Them is yeah. a really, really, really well made film. Yeah. Uh, this is different. Um, 
Well, look, let's let's you know, I just we're jumping in here. I also we have another person that potentially you may have to apologize for because I haven't thrown my hat into the ring about this film yet. You have apparently definitely decided that you're not a fan, I guess. But I had a great time watching it. Okay, good. Uh, Good. Because that's, you know, I did, too. And that's the point. Uh, this this I should say this was a recommendation from a friend of the show and a friend of mine. Um, uh, Eric Jensen said, you guys should do Damnation Alley. And I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it. And uh, so I it came through him and that was the recommendation. I don't know if it's his favorite movie in the world. I, I don't think so. I'm sure he loved it as a child. Um, I, I There's things about it I love dearly now. But that being said, Damnation Alley, Damnation Alley from 1977. Um, It is, I would say, is it safe to say it's a it's a nuclear Armageddon film? That's the uh, the genre of film. It's an it's a kind of an post apocalyptic film. In a, in a in a way you could you could have a double bill with this and the road warrior yes or road you know the second one um and uh it, w- it would be a great double bill yes uh, but you wouldn't want to follow the road warrior with this you probably see this first or see this after the mushrooms took hold <laughs> oh, as God. they as they did for whoever did this the uh mat work on the skies yeah the backgrounds of this yeah. film um yeah, pretty extraordinary. Um, so the 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 two main protagonists, George Papard and Jan Michael Vincent, are um, missile control officers at a base in some California, New Mexico, Nevada location. Uh, the guys who turn the keys and launch the missiles when the codes come through, and lo and behold, the codes come through and the whole world blows up. Cut to two years later, people living in the underground base, and uh, um, and we learn that um, the the base gets blown up um, in in a spectacular in fashion. In a spectacular fashion, in an accident, and we learn the the moral of the movie is that smoking and and reading Playboy causes catastrophes because. It was. The, a, I thought it was a seriously anti-pornographic message that they were yeah, sending with this yeah. film. Don't smoke and look at Playboy, or the world will your world will come to an end. And then, and also on top of that, don't have giant, uh, you know, tubes of exposed gas coming out of every room in your compound, right? Uh, either in case somebody does light a match or set something on fire, right? And poor Murray Hamilton. Murray Hamilton. What is going on? Gets blown. Gets catches on fire before he had any dialogue. He was killed. Yeah, but then George Prepard, because he's and another fellow who also dies early in the movie, they build the Landmaster, which is a a giant uh, vehicle that can go across desert and boulders and mountains and in water and everything, and they're going to use it to go. He he's going to leave with the, this ragtag group. It's him and Paul Winfield, and one other officer, and Jan Michael Vincent, and they're going to go to Albany from from the southwestern part of the United States. Well, they're they're getting a message from a a, a possible ragtag group somewhere else, some survivors, and that they they believe is in Albany, right, New York. To which I say. I'd rather die in a nuclear holocaust than go to Albany. I mean, I think Albany's not the answer to anybody. <laughs> to anything. And along the way, they encounter um, giant lobsters. Um, I thought they were scorpions. <laughs> they are scorpions, but they <laughs> look like lobsters to me. Okay. They look like giant lobsters. They were very lobsterish. Yeah. Um, uh, Purple skies. Um, well, all kinds of colored skies. Yeah. yeah. Big storms. Killer cockroaches. 
swarms of cockroaches, like millions of them. It was actually a rug of cockroaches. It was quite, a cockroach rug literally. comes after them. And and then they they bump into a very young um, Jackie Earl Haley, uh, who was nice to see, and a and a young Dominique uh, Sandra Dominique Sanda, yeah, who uh, plays a who plays a uh, a a uh, Montrealer, a jazz singer from Montreal who's stuck in Las Vegas. I think she's a Chanteuse in Vegas, right? And. Uh, uh, and then they also they run into the guys from Deliverance uh, briefly, um, literally. Yeah, um, literally. You know that. Is that really some of the? Well, actors? dude, I'm telling you, yeah. And I, I the, the, this says something about me I, that I've seen the Deliverance this many times. That the second you see the whole group of hillbillies in this movie come yeah. into a shot, I'm like, oh my god, that's the same guy from the Deliverance playing the same guy. In the same costume. What? Wait, did you IMDb this? Was it? The I guy? did. It's the guy is named Samon Glass, and he was the guy. He was the uh, the person who attacks Ned Beatty in the Deliverance. Oh my God! Yes, I, and I was making a joke. And yeah, I, no, and I happened I, to be right. Oh, I thought you looked it up too. No, you you were right. Up. I was just making a joke. Absolutely correct. <laughs> that that was the same guy. Oh my gosh. Ten oh. years later, looked exactly the same, uh, doing the same role. Um. Well, uh, let me ask you a question before we get into the critiquing the story and everything. Um, I saw this on a horrible print. Is did you was your print terrible? Yeah, it, it was disastrous. I mean, it was it was the worst. And did the aspect ratio change between the pre-apocalypse and the post-apocalypse? Yeah, the title sequence was, the whole title sequence was in another aspect ratio. And then suddenly it turned into an episode of like the Rat Patrol. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's because they could, yeah. I don't, I, they did some horrible pan and scan nightmare to it and oh, it was a disaster. Well, yeah. Okay. So I'm not crazy. I mean, so that's I, the, you saw it on on Prime, Amazon Prime. I yeah. Guess, which is where I saw it, and that print they have there is awful. And I don't, I don't know. I'm hoping that there's a 4K version of it somewhere. I'd love to see what it looks like. Now I thought. Um, so now let's get into the movie. I thought, you know, the at the beginning of the movie, I thought they did some amazing uh, character development work. Um, because at the beginning of the movie, Jan Michael Vincent and George Papard are showing up for their shift at the missile silo, and they have to switch off with the the guys who are in there. So they, they go in, they have to show their IDs, and then they have to sign out their weapons, because each missile control officer has to have a gun so that you can kill the other guy, apparently, if he's not going to carry out his orders or whatever. So they're signing out their weapons, and and they're uh, Jan Michael Vincent is checking his weapon and he, he's checking it really close to George <laughs> Papard and George Papard bumps into him and gives him a look like how irresponsible he was to be checking his weapon that way. And I think that's sort of the sum and substance of the character development in, in the movie. Um, <laughs> that, 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 covered, that told us everything we needed it, to know and we're not going to do anything. Yeah. It pretty much covered it. It did. <laughs> yeah, I got all you got all you need to know. Okay. Oh, there's an older guy and a younger guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, uh, and the younger guy gave the the older guy gave the younger guy a look. Okay, got it. So many questions, man. I just, I mean, I have so many questions. Uh, did you see this in the theaters? No. no. Do you remember when it came out? No. Um. I remember it's like a, the title is really famous for some reason. Like I know this title so well, and I thought it was a different movie completely. I was expecting, I did no research on this. I just went in cold. So I was expecting, I was expecting like a, a, a vanishing point kind of movie or like a Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, like car races across. I just thought like a gumball rally, some kind of movie or something. Right. I, I was completely blindsided by the nuclear holocaust, as probably most people are when a nuclear holocaust happens. <laughs> so in that way, it was very effective. I was surprised 
that it happened. And I think if it really happened, I'd also be quite surprised. So um, that was that that was realistic. You know, my my reaction. Yeah. Uh, I I don't really know what to say, though, because I think that this was directed by Jack Smite. Jack, well, it was directed by Jack Smite. I'm just going to say I'm like Jack Smite whatever pills he was taking during the making of this film uh i want to try them i want to know what that feels like to to to, to not care at the level of not caring that jack smite had about this film while yeah. he was making it and risking his own life and everybody else's life i just i i just don't feel like he I don't think his temperature went above, you know, a cool 96 degrees and he was completely carefree. Um, it, 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 I, it, I've never, it's a completely schizophrenic nightmare. The movie? It, yeah. Yeah. It's a completely schizophrenic nightmare. What's your favorite line from the movie? Oh, um, uh well one of my favorites is uh i don't know what we're going to find but getting there is the only way we'll ever know um yeah. and then i also darn it i forgot to print it out i i typed out a whole bunch of dialogue but it's on my other computer if you want to entertain the audience for a minute i'll run and get my my other computer so i can read the you know, I'm fearless. I'll sit here in silence. You, and stare you, at no, don't, don't sit there in silence. I'm going to run and get another computer. Oh, wow. So my my brother's left me alone here uh, manning the whole show by myself, which is a disastrous idea. Um, a really, really bad idea. Um, I, oh, I'm he's back. here. Okay, fantastic. Wow. <laughs> That was scary, huh? The, the professionalism here on both for both of us is just at a maximum. <laughs> but here, I, I wrote out a whole thing of dialogue here that I love. A um, couple of things. Um, okay, the, my favorite scene, bar none. They're driving along. Dominique Sanda has joined the group. They're driving in the Landmaster. And uh, George Popart says, better look for some gas in Salt Lake before we try to go over the Rockies. And Jan Michael Vincent says, all right. And uh, Dominique Sanda says, you mean the Rocky Mountains? And George Popart <laughs> says, mm-hmm. And she goes, ah, wonderful. <laughs> it is a carefree bunch yeah. on the road to oblivion. It really and is. And then the other, and then following her saying that about the Rocky Mountains, George Papard says, posted a shower schedule to uh, help conserve water and generally straighten out who goes when, give you some privacy. So I'm happy to say we can all have a shower once a week, whether we need it or not. Yes. So just some great dialogue. I, I think that was a, I think that was an attempt at humor. No humor and maybe setting something up like there's going to be some sexual tension between the handsome guy jan michael vincent and the beautiful woman dominique sanda no nothing that ever. was i have to say that was a surprise i uh, i was i yeah, was no. like you why you won through the trouble of of finding a chanteuse for the movie and getting her and bringing her on board with all these randy piratish men driving across the country and you're not even going to bring up the fact that, that they might hook up it's a it was amazing yeah i mean it was kind of refreshing actually but it was just a surprise like yeah i was just surprised and then the final line that i loved was on the on the walkie-talkie tanner this is denton this whole town is infested with killer cockroaches repeat killer cockroaches yeah um that's a good one as well. Yeah. That's a good one. I, I, my favorite, you want to hear my favorite line? Yeah, I would love to. My favorite line literally is, is a moment is there's not, is the fact that there's nothing said. 
at a, at a moment when there should be, in fact. <laughs> One of the main characters who is arguably the best actor in the movie. I mean, I think probably inarguably Paul Winfield is the actually oh, yeah. best actor anywhere near this film. Yeah. Um, except for the guy from The Deliverance. <laughs> Paul Winfield is, is a great actor. Uh, he doesn't, he looks like he's just happy to be, you know, in a, you know, in a movie, but it, it, he's a main character he, and yep. they, they rescue him at one point and go through life and limb to rescue him and bring him back on board. And they may be the only three people in the, in the whole world at this point. And uh, they go to get gas and uh, Paul Winfield gets attacked. Spoilers here. So please people, if you haven't seen it, stop this podcast and watch the film at least up until this moment and then come back uh there's killer cockroaches and then they swarm this town that they're, they're getting gas in and they eat uh paul winfield's face and kill him they eat him like pick his bones clean in moments yeah. and uh and then uh george papard george papard's driving the bus he, he he realizes this. He picks up uh, the other guy, who's Jan Michael Vincent. They drive off, and they say nothing about the death of their friend. Yeah, it's not even mentioned. It doesn't come up even as an aside. Jan Michael Vincent doesn't say, "Hey, what happened to Keegan?" Yeah, not a word. They don't even ask. And 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 Paul Winfield, who I have to mention in an apocalypse movie. They're still dressing the black guy like he's a 42nd Street pimp in the movie. He's yeah. got bell-bottom jeans and a hat with a feather in it. it it's what, a, what is that about? Um, I don't know, but my cat has definitely got something to say about it. Stop well, it. Stephen Stop Jules that. Rubin wants to know, well, when your friend gets eaten, what would you say? I would say, where's Keegan? <laughs> Where's that guy we just rescued? Is he coming or not? Yeah. And then um, let's just get into some technical movie making stuff. Please, no. No? no? <laughs> go, let's go well, ahead. Like, no, no, sure. Technical story stuff. Okay. We're going to have, as, as he's getting eaten and Jan Michael Vincent is motorcycling around exploring the town with, with Dominique Sand on the back, we're going to have lots of close-up establishing shots of cockroaches on his boots and jeans as they ride back into the land uh, dozer, whatever, landmaster. Mm-hmm. Plot point, right? Oh, there's some cockroaches on his jeans, and they're riding back into the land. No, never, no, nothing ever happens, no. Never. Oh yeah, yeah. no. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. You yeah. you mean connective tissues between connective scenes tissues. and stories? No, you also, mean like a de developing plot line? Like the, no. The great moment right before that, when when Dominique Sanda and 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 Jan Michael Vincent are in the department store, and he wanders away from her, and he suddenly hears a scream, blood curdling scream from her, and we cut to her, and she's looking at one of the cockroaches on a mannequin, but she's looking at it calmly with a smile on her face. So I don't, I don't, I don't get what was going I mean, on. What was going? I think this movie was edited in a in a in an emergency, like in a flash <laughs> flood somewhere in a basement. <laughs> and they had a number. They just did it like after the first screening. They they sent some lady down into a basement. They're like, cut thirty minutes out of this thing. I don't care how you do it. I don't yeah. care where it comes from. And I think that's what happened because there's just because there there had to be a line from somebody about a mate, you know, a major character's dead. Like there's no, there's no mention of, there's not even a mention of it. That had to be in a script somewhere. I'm sure it was in the story, yeah. in but, the novella. There are things that don't have to do with editing. Like when Jackie Earl, when they find Jackie Earl, Jackie Earl, ha Earl Haley. Yeah. And he's throwing rocks at, um, at the, at Jan Michael Vincent sitting on top of the, uh, land master and Jan Michael Vincent can see him and he's throwing the rocks from 40 yards away and they all hit Jan Michael Vincent and he doesn't 
see the rock coming and you know go like you know lean to the side or something he just sits there so it can hit him i'm sorry you, i don't know you're pick you're picking some esoteric things to do here These are complicated I mean, things, yeah i mean i know because there's so many big the problems are so much vast. there's like giant you know chasms of problems uh, that is one. I think there's another problem in that scene scenario. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley runs from them and runs from them and runs from them. And then they get to know a fight with Jan Michael Vincent and then cut to he's eating soup and they're all hanging out. Yeah. There's a, I, I don't know. Why were you, why were you running? Are you afraid of us? Who, why, none, yeah. it's never brought up. Yeah. It's um, very strange. What, uh, what else do we have? Oh, the, 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 um, going to Salt Lake and for gas and walking up to the gas pump to pump gas from it. <clears throat> Civilization has ended. Why? There's no electricity. Why do you think the gas pumps are on? This is a surprise. Look, I, I have to stop you because I'm confused. I'm, my questions have more to do with why is George Papard dressed like Super Mario Brothers? Is this the beginning of the Super Mario Brothers origin story? Because <laughs> The giant, the giant scorpions, I think, are like Super Mario Brothers. So, I think that makes sense. Why is the best scene in it him shaving with an electric razor? Why, why is that? Um, oh, how is oh, it? How does a real mustache? How how does a real mustache look more like a wax mustache than one you'd find in a magic store? These are the oh, questions I had. How does a Texas Instruments calculator run a Bassmaster? <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> There's literally a shot where they're looking at the dashboard of this giant, fancy, <laughs> all-terrain monster behemoth truck, and there is Which a there built. is the same same calculator I had in in sixth grade. Attached. And they built that for the movie, and it is it, I I'm you know how I went last week to go see the the house from uh, yeah from spider, spider baby yeah i'm gonna drive out into the desert uh and see the landmaster you can see it it's there uh, where where it's like joshua tree somewhere yeah it's somewhere out in like, out, by, out in barstow yeah it, it's out in that area and it's you look for feldspar and find the <laughs> bassmaster yeah and um uh, but that thing was here's a question that thing was real. They really built it. It could yeah. really do all that stuff. Go in the yeah. water, go over rocks and, you know, amazing to be clear, things. The, move, the, the movie didn't build it. I, I thought they bought it from a company that had built it. Was no, it built? I, I think it was built for the movie. Wow. It only well one. And it was built for the movie. And it, um, it, uh, it looks fake. It does. It looks fake. And it, it looks, looks like it couldn't do it, any of it. Times where where you're you go, wow! I'm looking at the real thing, and it's really doing all that stuff, and it still looks like a model. The, well, it doesn't help that the interior is very much like a Winnebago, like a deluxe camper Winnebago. Yeah, but I do love I love the family sequence, um, the family sequence with the uh, the shaving. Dominique Sanda in the shower washing her hair, Jan Michael Vincent taking a nap, um, Jackie Earl Haley learns how to drive the Landmaster, uh, Dominique Sanda starts cooking something, uh, George Papard is in his bunk reading uh, a science fiction novel or something. A light, nice, happy family sequence. I, I, you know, I was stunned was by something. About? I was stunned by something in this movie. I've never, I've never seen a film um, about a nuclear holocaust, about like a post-apocalyptic scenario where people are, like, civilizations ended and there's a ragtag groups of survivors wherein there isn't any grief or real sadness <laughs> or sense of loss of humanity or, or really anything at all from any of the characters. They, they basically are just kind of like on autopilot to just get to Albany. And, 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 and that fact that there's just still alive seems to be the only thing that matters. Yeah. Um, 
it's sort of as if as if this happened now, because I think if this happened now, we would feel that way. We'd feel like, oh, this is just it's Tuesday. I guess I get I get I, I there's something about it that I find deeply confusing because I, I feel like there's a read on this movie that that. I have no idea whether it was intentional or not. And I'd be fat. I really would be interested to know about the, the, the kind of politics maybe of the, of the novella. Now, of course, nobody's pro nuclear Holocaust. That's not obviously what would be on the menu, but there's something so um, incredibly, pro- there's something so incredibly pro American and pro American cowboyism to the point where I don't know if it's actually a satire on it that just isn't well done or right. if that was or if they really believed in the in these characters as being heroic figures because I mean let's break it down the heroes of this movie are literally the people that pushed the buttons that destroyed their half of the planet and okay. did so and did so without a moment's no hesitation, hesitation. Or they didn't break a sweat. No, didn't break a sweat. It's just the job. It's what they do. And then, okay. In contrast <laughs> to a, a movie that had come out 10 years earlier, that has sort of the same moment in it. Um, uh, failsafe where it happens in Dr. Strangelove and Dr. Strangelove <laughs> where they're like, Jesus Christ, we're yeah. doing this. No, we they have don't to do this. Is it happening? No, these guys are like, Oh, it's it's another day at work. We're blowing up the world. They're incredibly cold-blooded. And I mean, that's also reflected in them not having any response to Paul Winfield staff at all. Um, Jan Michael Vincent is either like a sev like this. I don't know if they intended him to be a like like a Mark Hamill-esque 70s, just you know, young studly kid who was oh, that crazy kid. Or if they were trying to make an like this iconic, like make fun of this iconic American concept because his lines in it like are all about like looking at a dead, empty car lot and telling the child like, yeah, cars, man, that's your legacy. He says all this Top Gun shit in it, like, you know, all about like the wonder of Las Vegas, man. It's like, well, it's you could just see it at night. Like, wow, it's like it's he's banal. He's he is bought completely the american advertisement this guy he he like he does wheelies on motorcycles and he's happy as long as he can just kind of like drive shit fast and i don't know if the makers of the movie knew that or not i i have no idea because it's also like his his utopia which spoiler alert again stop See the movie, come back to the podcast. I'll give no, you time to do that. Actually, don't. Don't they get through. they get to Albany, and like the fulfillment of his dream is arriving like in the whitest town with white picket fences and a bunch of people running to greet him for doing nothing more than just showing up after having blown up the earth. Like I I just simply can't figure out what the intentions are here. You know what yeah. I mean? Oh, absolutely. I I don't think there were. Um, I think there might. That's why I want to read the novella. Me too. And and I don't want to. And I want to try and actually find the novella, because apparently, uh, apparently the novella is really good. And from what I understand, Selassie was very proud of the novella, but then his agent had him expand the novella into a novel, um, because it would make it more sellable as a movie to make it novel length but but the reviews and stuff that i've read of the novel are that it was better as a novella it didn't it didn't expand out in so i want to get hold of the novella and find out what what was it that zelazny was doing because from what i've read about zelazny he was uh, a, a much lauded um author of science fiction mm-hmm. some, some poetry as well uh did this whole series called the amber series which is which is worshipped by a lot of people neil gaiman says that zelazny was what was his, his primary influence wow. wow um or one of his primary influences so clearly this guy um uh naturally speaking tells us 
that um, Roger Zelazny was once asked, what do you think about them <laughs> ruining the book? He replied something to the effect, they didn't ruin the book. They made a crappy movie. The book is still good. I love that. that. Is, that is awesome. That, I love that. Made, that made it worth watching that movie and doing this episode of the show to get that piece of information and that perspective because I'm going to use that it's a great it's a great attitude that's a yeah that's an attitude that i wish i'd heard more authors have about about being in movies for instance stephen king comes to mind when he talks so graciously about the shining film which certainly didn't hurt his career either right. um <sighs> yeah that's really really cool thank you yeah. for for uh shouting out to us um, on that one. Yeah, we appreciate that. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to go on eBay or wherever I have to go to get hold of a, a copy of Galaxy so that I can read that uh, novella, um, because I, I am intrigued by this question. What what was the. There has to have been something there for them to have wanted to make the movie. And then my understanding is that from other stuff that I've read, there's a lot of relationship stuff that was shot, that was in the book and that was shot and was all edited out of the movie to turn it into this road trip film. That's that's what I mean. That's the clearly the the vibe I got from it was that there's just so many jaw-dropping mistakes and judgment here and jump cuts and stuff that it had to be severely edited, but I'm really curious about, uh, you know, I'm going to guess what the politics of the book are only because knowing, you know, poets and science fiction writers, many of them would be kind of like at least skeptical of, you know, of the military to people that blow up stuff. And, and if not, um, it is a fantastic idea for sci-fi, which I'm going to guess the book had to come out years before the movie was made. I, do you know when it was, uh, do you remember when it was um, published? Yeah, I can find out. Um, uh, sorry, I've got to keep, I, you keep talking. And oh, I'll... I can keep talking. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I'm just curious if the, if it's uh, from the fifties or the sixties, I guess that would be an interesting thing to, to find out, but um, you know, it's a, it's a really cool idea. Like it's a classic, it's like Buck Rogers, but on planet earth kind of yeah. from that perspective. And I, I mean, so I could see, a, I could see this either being a really, really just fun space opera romp that takes place here, or it could be a really super, like a real politically minded parable. I, I could see either. And right. either would be fine, I think, for me. I'd enjoy both. But this movie hasn't decided what the hell it is. And the yeah, novella was 67. Okay. Well, then, uh, you know, the counterculture's already going on. Mm -hmm. uh, when he's writing this movie, he, you know, this is, this is going to be probably uh, um, critical, I would think, of, of the forces that do this and, and the country the politics of the countries that would do this. So, I mean, I just, the, the raw, raw nature of this, like, this is just like, it's like top gun attitude about nuclear war yeah. in this film. It's, it's the most cavalier, uh, like callous attitude about the destruction of, of everything I, I've ever seen in a movie. I mean, even planet of the apes at least has like Chuck Heston being, you know, kind of emotionally distraught about all of this. Although he doesn't know where he is for a while. No. Um, that all this being said, yes, complaints, complaints. I want to thank Eric Jensen for bringing this movie into my life. This has been a great awakening for me. I didn't know this movie existed. And the fact that there's a movie with Jan Michael Vincent jumping dirt bikes over giant scorpions that I didn't know was here. It blows my mind. Still think they were lobster. I wanted those guys with some drawn butter. You know, I would have just been going to town. It's very hard to draw butter. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, the other thing, I have a question for you. Dominic Sanda is explaining why uh, why she survived the, the blast. 
And it's because the casino owner who had brought her to Vegas and in whose casino she's working wanted a favor from her, in quotes. And so he took her down to the bomb shelter to seduce her. Um, and that's when the, the blast happened. So that's why she survived. So my question is why, um, if you own a casino in Vegas and you're trying to seduce the Chanteuse who have you brought, you've brought from Montreal, don't you have any number of suites of rooms in your Vegas casino hotel that you can take her to? You're going to take her to the bomb shelter? Um. You 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 you're gonna mock me for even bothering to analyze. I, I I'm surprised. I never movie. thought to. Th I never thought to think of that. Let me put it that way. <laughs> I, I there there again. I had so many questions running through my head. Um, here's where I think. Here's an interesting scene though. That 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 there, preceding that, there's a scene that I that I thought was actually. You know, I mean, oh, I know what you're the say. best scene in the movie. It's the smartest scene. It's an interesting scene. And it's the scene in the casino. Yeah. And they all get to the to Vegas, which has been bombed out. And they drive up to the uh, Circus Circus Hotel. Right. And, and there's just a really the it's just the three of them. It's Jan, Michael, yeah. Vincent, George Papard and, and uh, Paul, Paul Winfield. Winfield, who hasn't died yet. So they're they get there and they walk into the casino, which is like the corner set from a Batman episode that they just cleared out and put some <laughs> slot machines in <laughs> and uh, and spray dust on it. They spray dust on it. Yeah. But then they start kind of like goofing off and playing the slots and. You can hear slowly in the in the soundtrack. You can hear the sounds of a real casino, of like a, a, a with a lot of people in it, yeah. kind of coming up in the soundtrack. And they get lost in this moment of kind of like reliving something fun from the past. And they and they're all excited, and some of them are winning stuff, and some of them aren't. But then she then that's when the girl appears, I guess, right, uh, and breaks them out of their their reverie Spell. but but right the, yeah that's the only reference in the movie to the, like the civilization yeah. that's gone and and missing anything but and but what it is that they miss is the most shallow yeah. bullshit part of america and the world yeah so like i wouldn't i would never i would not be surprised at all if that scene is something in the book that is is really descriptive of something about the american character that he's being critical of you know like of all the things you could get excited about, you know, or and not after not grieving any of this, but then get thrilled by gambling, which is, is couldn't be any more useless an activity after after money's worthless. I mean, there's nothing about that activity that's positive. It's not a positive, you know, thing. Although it's very realistic, but what does that say about these guys? I and then then it's gone like the moment happens in the movie and then that evaporated and then we're right back to i i couldn't tell you what they're trying to tell me about this world or these people or any i just couldn't tell you right are we rooting for them are we is this an ironic thing are they are they are, are i just didn't know i also have another question again you can mock me for paying attention to these kinds of things but uh Jan Michael Vincent rides the motorcycle into the department store with Dominique Sanda to look around and the killer cockroaches attack. And instead of riding to get away from the killer cockroaches, instead of riding out of the department store, he drives the motorcycle up the stairs. Yeah. To get away from them. Yeah. Why not leave the department store? Well, because there's cockroaches. <laughs> You know, there's all they're all over the place. Uh, another thing, um, again, mock me when they're leaving the base. There's an interesting moment where uh, George Papard lowers the American flag, right, and folds it because that's what you do when you're leaving, abandoning a base, and then you cut the halyard. So that if enemy forces come, they can't use the halyard to raise the flag back up. 
right? But all he does is cut the halyard and then he walks away. If you cut the halyard, they can use, but don't pull it down. It can, you can still use it to raise a flag. You just repair it, right? You know, so it, it, it was, that's the kind of thing that, that pissed me off that, that on, on every level, they didn't stop and think about anything, you know, on, but, they didn't... but what the, but my, but okay. But couldn't that also though be an interesting thing? If it, if it were on purpose, he goes through the routine, but what's the point of cutting the halyard? If there is nobody else, that's going to raise a flag. Exactly. Right. But, but again, you don't know if Jack Smite understood that or he was getting a cocktail and like worried about, you know, how everybody's hair looked. I have no idea. It's amazing. But yet again, how, how could we be, uh, it seems, um, ungenerous to be critical of any movie that gives you Jan Michael Vincent popping wheelies over giant scorpions. I honestly, I, I mean, where's this been all my life? Where has it been? Um, why, why is say, the you know, we've made The Road, we've made all kinds of Wolverine apocalypse movies and devastation. No one's mentioned this one before. It's crazy. Uh, can we give George Papard an award for the worst Southern accent in the history of cinema? Yes, because it, uh, because it was uh, sometimes an accent from Maine. <laughs> he couldn't decide whether he was a horse trainer or a lobster fisherman at any point during this, except that he was always <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Like, that was on. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Um, uh, who, who, who do we have to... Anybody else we have to give a shout-out to? I um, want to give a shout-out to the movie that starts with Jan Michael Vincent driving up with a with a mannequin, which he's probably going to use as a sex toy, in the movie that's, that's just never referenced again. Okay. We give a shout-out also to Dana House and Denise Michelle, who are the playmates that appear in the magazine in the movie pre that caused the whole thing to blow up. You were sick, individual. No, it was in the trivia on IMDb. That's I didn't know looking that up. Oh, okay. It actually is in the IMDb. Well, you need to say that because people don't know, you know, they just think you went, zeroed went, in on that I, as the... I went through my collection. No. Yeah. Miss January 1976 and Miss April 1976 are uh Dana House and Denise Michelle uh have their moment of fame in this movie and cause uh the destruction of the air the missile base. Jan Michael Vincent. Do you want to uh, hazard a guess what he was paid for this movie? I'm bad at I'm bad at this. Me too. Know, why would I know that? No reason. A million dollars. Get out of here. This was him breaking the breaking from six to seven figures on this movie. He what, was, what had he done before this to to break through that? What what was it? What had he done? Why do I not know this? This is wrong. How could he have made a million dollars in 1977 for this movie? What? For this movie. It's, it is unbelievably shocking. Before this, he did... Okay, well, he did White Line Fever. That was probably made some money. Stephen Jules Rubin says, was it Vonnegut who said, you can't have a man naked mannequin in the first act who doesn't disappear by the third? <laughs> I think it was. I do too. Jesus, yes, Steven, that's right. I don't understand. Okay, so I think he got a million dollars because he like uh, he he had the goods on somebody and threatened somebody's life. It's unless you give me a million dollars, I won't do. It. I don't know. That's crazy. Oh, my buddy, my buddy Ronell says, "Welcome to the world." Hey guys, he's back. Hello there. Um, did you see uh, Damnation Alley? No? Yeah. Did you did you watch Damnation Alley, Ronell? If you didn't, run out, buy it. <laughs> My favorite thing about the movie, though, is that at the end of the film, they get to Albany, which looks a lot like Denver now, after yes. the apocalypse. Right. Uh, it's not how I remember Albany looking. 
giant mountains and pine forests and lakes. Uh, I don't remember that. Yeah, no. But uh, they're listening for the radio frequency and they turn on this thing and suddenly they hear music. Music for the first time. And it's smooth, smooth California jazz. And I'm like, smooth Cali jazz survives the apocalypse. It It lives on. Yeah. And you, if that happened, you would kill yourself. No, I'm a fan. Oh, you I, are? I, I, I love smooth jazz. It's fine by me. And I'm glad it survived. I love how at the end of the movie, there's, you know, there is one big storm and suddenly everything is fine again and the world is beautiful. Well, it's just as easily as you believe, like, you know, Two giant years after two years after a giant you know nuclear apocalypse, they're out running around in a tank, you know, meeting up with hillbillies. <laughs> I, I mean, it's incredible. The science is amazing. The optical effects are fantastic. The skies are crazy. It's like a it's like a, a demo for Tommy. It's like something that they yeah. rejected from Tommy. Yeah, um, they're all on fire constantly and it was like a choice that was a choice that made their life so much more difficult like i i was looking at that idea like okay you have if you haven't seen the movie it's all outdoors in the desert almost all of it and so there's these vistas and there's this sky that's visible through all of it and uh the sky in every case is is like this crazy old special effects like rotoscoped sky with you know, some of the effects are cool, I guess, but if if you can't marry it to Jan Michael Vincent riding on the motorcycle, it doesn't look very good. So it's jagged in every shot, like forever. Yeah. And you look at it and you're like, pointless. There's a completely pointless act. Like it did nothing but distract from the movie. What's wrong? I mean, just put a filter over it like why don't you just put it like a green filter or something over right. the lens and then just shoot wherever you want and nobody uh, they don't talk about it no we talk about a little bit jack errol haley wonders about you know when things are new well the earth was knocked off its axis son george papard's mustache was crooked the whole time this is what movie we're dealing with but okay well you know what I'm, this you know what this was missing? This was missing like I wish Steve Reeves had been in this movie. Like the six million dollar oh, man and the Sasquatch should have been in this show. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would have made complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm out of notes, man. I don't know what to say about this. Although I did I did laugh a lot. I did have laughs and wonderment. It, it it this is a crazy movie. It's completely crazy. Again, they don't really know who the audience is. Like, you know, the only person that's going to really be jacked about this movie is probably a 13-year-old kid, like a 13-year-old right. boy, cuz he's going to love that the desert master truck that they built. That's cool. And it is cool. Like it does cool stuff. That is a cool truck. They're going to want to see the scorpions and the cockroaches. And the movie's kind of famous for the cockroaches because there's a ton of them in there. But there's and no talk on their trip. There's no talk. Like, what is the object? What's their objective to get to Albany? But it's not like I miss people. I want civilization. Can it's just, uh, let's go to Albany. There's people. Yeah. There. Well, I think that's what probably, you know, that's, uh, that's, either a conscious thing that they didn't make good on or a missed opportunity, because I think that'd be a fascinating movie to have these heroes who are just dead inside and this comment on all of it through their behavior. But I, I don't think they were paying attention to that here. So I don't, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I mean, this movie is really screwed in the head. I, I mean, it's like, it's weird. It's, it's just strange. We could have saved everybody a lot of time if we had just condensed this whole show down to I don't know what to say. Well, we did, though. We knew what to say. Uh, I, I, you know, I think we hit on something very interesting. That who knows what the what is the what is the attitude of the filmmakers here? Right. What's the point of view? There was I think, no I, I, I have no idea. Of view. I, yeah. I don't you know, again, like I don't 
I'm not one of these people that feels like my point of view has to be reflected in the movies that I see or even enjoy. It, it doesn't. I, I'm, I love a lot of movies made with a point of view that's different than mine. And sometimes I think, you know, I'm glad the world isn't like that, but I like this movie. Uh, um, I, I just I just would like to know. Are, are, are you are, is this like a is this full on John Wayne, like, you know, support your last the final surviving troops? Yeah, who did the horrible yeah. deeds that nobody else would do, and they're tough guys, and give them a break, and they're good boys. You know, maybe that was the idea. Or are they are they soulless, vacuous, genocidal maniacs who are com just completely selfish in everything that they do? I, I either interpretation is completely valid. But see, now that would be an interesting movie that they get to Albany, and then the people in Albany want to know who they are and where they're from. And the guys that they are, the, that they have to let them know, were the guys who turned the key. Yeah. Or, they, or they have to keep it secret. Or... That would be fascinating. I'd love to know if that's in the book. Um, boy, yeah. I mean, yeah, again, like this is, this is, uh, this, the story is certainly not the issue here. But... Well, I'm going to find a way to get hold of, of a copy of that issue of Galaxy and I'll, uh, I'll share it with you. The only thing I just I do feel a little bit bad because although we didn't have a lot to say, I, I, I do have to say it's a little hard to try to be analytical about a movie like this. It's enjoyment level, though, if you're looking for like a disaster movie, like a just a crazy what the fuck is this disaster movie? If you like 70s movies, track this down. It, it, it's it is completely entertaining. It is ludicrous beyond belief. Um, it's it it, it it it's pretty crazy, and the, yeah. some of it's like just ineptly bad, like filmmaking and and funny because it's inept. And then there's occasionally like, wow, you spent all this money and you got this giant truck to work, and it looks that looks okay. Like it's so schizophrenic, man. It's so schizophrenic. I will say, I think George Papard and Jan Michael Vincent make a fantastic team. They worked off each other really well. It looks like they got along. No, it looks like they had a good working relationship, I think. You don't agree? Uh, yeah, they seemed like they got along fine, but there was no, it was like, uh, it was like two pieces of wonder. You could say those two pieces of wonder bread got along great. Yeah. But there was no, no chemistry. There was no, there was, it was nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> nothing not a thing going nothing going on um i mean there's a giant grand michael vincent you know had just a tough life had a hard life after this um only seven years of airwolf well but terrible struggles with with drugs and alcohol intravenous drugs alcohol leg amputation you know just oh. just sort of uh slid into uh just a very sad life and then passed away just not oh i'm I, i'm sorry to hear that i didn't i didn't yeah, know that. I had to bring you down at the end of at the end of the episode it's horrible now i've just trashed his performance in his movie and i found out that uh he's a <laughs> tragic figure and i'm a horrible person well and then we have then there's george papard you know who mom worked with george papard yeah what was that was that P in the show PJ, a, right? A, a detective movie called PJ. Um, uh, Mom, if you're watching and you're near a computer, uh, let us know if he was fun to work with. Um, my my recollection is that is that he was nice. I, I I didn't meet him, but my my recollection of her talking about that experience was that it was nice. Well, he looks like a she nice guy. Um, I, he's uh, got terrible taste in mustaches, but he's, he's a great terrible guy. taste in mustaches. And uh, and also, you know, Galaxy, uh, the short story, uh, Dad's short story, People Soup, was first published in Galaxy. That is right, which is kind of cool. Um, when they and you you were the star of the film People Soup. Uh, let's not forget to add well, that was a film co-star co with with that other guy. That's uh, a, still a star of the movie. Yes, that's true. Co-star with with the the third big biggest of the brothers the big brother who who was on our show was on our show once a upon a time. time yeah but 
Um, what are you going to say? This is a movie with giant scorpions, and it's a movie with uh, a giant floods at the end of the movie. Mom okay. Pipes in. Yay. Thank you, Mom. She Thanks, Mom. That he was very nice. George Papard was nice to work with. I'm, I'm very glad. He very seems glad. like a nice. A he nice seems guy. like a wonderfully charming man. Yeah. Stephen Jules and Rubin. You can say thank you, but she's not your mom. Um, Although uh, you I know, love you like a brother. I always found it funny that Papard ended up in like movies like this and then the A-Team and stuff vis-a-vis -vis the fact that, you know, Breakfast at Tiffany's, that's that's really his thing, I feel like. That's really his uh, vibe, you know? Okay. Okay, so here we have a, another note from Naturally Speaking. As crappy as the film was, it gave RZ the money to add on a nice office to his house. Well, that's fantastic. Well, that's what you that's that's a good thing. Um, I'm sorry it wasn't enough money to buy, you know, a new house completely. But because uh, I, I'm sure, you know, uh, I'm sure dealing with Hollywood at that level at that time on a giant George Papard movie was very difficult. Yeah, I would imagine. Um why was he from Maine and then from Tennessee? Why? I don't know what that was. I don't know what was going on there. It was extraordinary. Um, and I got to say, I really, I really, I, I love little Jackie Earl Haley. I thought he yes. was great when he was a kid and he's great now. He's actually one of those rare performers who, as a child actor, was actually kind of bringing it like as a real actor. Yeah, he was good. He was, he was fantastic. He was good. Interesting and I character. Still love him. He's he's a great actor. Um, yeah. And uh, and then that's all I got, man. I got yep. Damnation Alley. I, I I I I will be tracking it down to see if there's a 4K of this somewhere because I'm just dying to know what it really looks like. This print was rough. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what it really looks like as well. All right. Well, we're, we've got to chat after the show and figure out what we're doing for the big 50th celebration. Yeah, and, uh, we do. To keep keep uh, keep looking at social to see what what we'll be covering to catch up with here. But we got to pick a, a doozy. Yeah. And uh, and thank you for watching and thank you for piping in. Um, welcome to our new viewers. Uh, tell your friends about the show and tell them that it's available on Apple Podcasts also or wherever you get your ear candy. And uh, we'll see you next week. So long. Good night. You've been listening to the Arkin Brothers Talk About Movies. That's my brother, Matthew Arkin. And that's my brother, Anthony Arkin. And we are interesting, irreverent, and irrelevant. But you can follow us on Instagram anyway. You can also subscribe to our newsletter and check out our merch. And you can do it all on our website. Just follow the link on your podcast app. Or if you really want to stalk us, head over to arkinbros.com. You'll learn more about us than anyone would ever want to know.